Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, Uri Slavkovsky enters the Montreal Canadiens history books. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 1012 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, wherever you get your daily podcast, whether that be Google, Apple, Spotify, or right here on YouTube.com if you're into the video side of things. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metland. As always, I am joined by my co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura... Uh, the Montreal Canadiens gave us the good and the very, very bad in one game tonight against the New York Rangers. Uh, how are we feeling going into this weekend coming off of this game? Why did it have to be Chris Kreider? Of all people, why? I uh, The words that I use to describe him I cannot use on this podcast because it either requires me to do a lot of editing before I go to bed or us to change the rating of this show, and we're really not in the mood to do that at this current point in time. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens on Thursday night lost to the New York Rangers 7-4 in a game that is a tale of two halves. And I think the biggest thing here is that the Canadiens were very good Great first period against the Rangers. Go up one nothing, controlling the flow of play, generally dictating where things went. And that's how the second period started. And then they let in a goal. And then they let in another goal. And then they let in another goal. And then they let in another goal. They let in four goals in four minutes and ten seconds. And that's kind of where this game ended. It, it was the deciding kind of factor in this game. The Canadians would add two more goal, a couple more goals later on in this game, which is great, and we'll get to those in a moment. But this was a team that was coming in confident after beating the Anaheim Ducks. And as we check out the Senators-Ducks game today, uh, sometimes it's not easy to beat the Anaheim Ducks if you're a team at the bottom <laughs> of the Atlantic. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm disappointed because this was a game that there was a lot of good. The top line was great again, but this is a team that, again, struggled mightily in areas it didn't need to. Uh, I'm trying to find the quote from Arpan Basu here. Uh, expected goals against the Blues, 3.24 actual goals uh, against. Expected goals against the Rangers, 2.48 actual goals allowed. It is seven goals again. They lost 7-4 in this game. Penalty kill wasn't great again. And the goals that got let in were really poor defense around the net. Uh, Kovacevic and uh, Arbor Jacki behind the Armia, Newhook, and Gallagher line didn't really do all that well. Uh, it's uh, not what you would want in that group there. Uh, it's frustrating because this game was there, and they let it get away from them, and then they had to chase and chase and chase it. Jonathan Quick was very good for the Rangers, admittedly, but this is a game the Canadians had in their hands. And they, they could have won. Yes. And through the first, you know, I let's say, let's call it 25 minutes of this game, 
they were controlling it, but one goal went in. You could kind of see the self-confidence just go like air out of a balloon a little bit. They are still a fragile team, which is to be expected as a team that is constantly juggling uh, injuries and not being good. Pretty much. And that's the thing is that they fought back in the third period. I thought the Canadians were good, but every time they did something good defensively, they were shambolic tonight. And that's a shame because there's, we know there's good players on this defense. Uh, none of them came to play in this game tonight. Uh, losing seven, four is not great. No matter how you cut it, you still gave up seven goals to a team here. Uh, and coming to town on Saturday is the Washington capitals, which a team they beat. Last time around, that worked out for them. Yes. And so this is the thing is that, you know, um, I recorded with uh, John Chick yesterday of Locked on New York Rangers. And in our preview, he asked about the penalty kill and we talked about it. He asked about the defense and we talked about it. He asked about, you know, what's going on. And I talked about how the Canadians are able to have a good first period, potentially even, you know, a good second period sometimes. But they struggle with the opponent's adjustments all the time, like every game. Right. It's it's become a theme for them. And so all of those played out. And at the same time, um, it doesn't feel like it's the same old story. It feels like they're doing the same thing in new ways, if that makes sense. Um, so that to me is like a little bit of a cause for concern. But at the same time, we know that this is a decimated lineup that was never supposed to be good anyway. So it's just for me, it's a little bit disappointing in that they were able to keep up with the Rangers. They were able to play well for almost half of that game. And then they just let it all fall apart at the drop of a hat. And I don't want to dwell on the negatives in this game because we know they're bad. They're a lottery team for a reason here. I want to focus on the good things in this, that Cole Caulfield had a two goal night tonight. And one was a just poop ugly goal and that he deflected it. It hit the end boards And Jonathan Quick overreacted so much that he put the puck into his own net. And then Caulfield scored on a just trademark wrister from the slot, dodging around people. And uh, as Matt Drake pointed out on Twitter, is that Caulfield's shooting at about 8.7% this year. Caulfield's average shooting percentage is around 13 to 14%. The regression to the mean is going to hit like an ice-cold Coca-Cola on a really hot summer day. And it's going to be great, and I can't wait for that. The top line, again, just absolutely dynamic. Because, again, Yuri Slavkovsky, another game, another goal. I believe he should have gotten an assist on the second Caulfield goal. I don't know if the NHL gave that to him yet or not. I'm checking Game Center right now. I'm oh, fairly certain I did see that. They did. Uh, they gave Caden Gooley the secondary assist on that. Uh, and they gave Slavkovsky, he has, he had his goal. So it's another multi-point night for Uri Slavkovsky in this. Uh, honestly, records, and I'm not being hyper, hyperbolic, using hyperbole, whatever the way that is. I'm not being hyperbolic when I say this, is that he has now entered the Montreal Canadiens history books. He is the first teenager to have a seven-game point streak. He was tied with Doug Wickenheiser uh, for a six-game point streak, and that was 44 years ago, he Uri Slavkovsky now stands on his own. He has the longest teenage point streak in Montreal Canadiens history, and that's 115 years of history. That's a pretty wild stat, and it is the main reason why this team is worth tuning into every single night. 
He's up to, uh, it's now 12 goals and 17 assists on the season. So he's up to, my math is correct here, 29 points. So he's mm-hmm. going to crack 30 with his next point there. And has a real shot at potentially cresting that 20-goal plateau. I'd say setting him at at least 15 is a pretty good spot here. But I know we've talked about Slavkovsky a lot this week. It's really hard not to when he is one of the three best players in the lineup at on every given night. That top line is unstoppable. Caulfield's up to 19 goals, 26 assists on the season. There's a chance Caulfield's more likely to hit 40 assists than 40 goals this season, and Suzuki's more likely to hit 40 goals than 40 assists on this season. Uh, I don't Suzuki's hate either of those things. <laughs> no, Suzuki's up to 33 assists in his own right. He was kept off the goal sheet tonight, but grabbed a secondary assist on Caulfield's power play goal. That top line is so good, and they are doing it. And Jake Evans, I love you to death. Without Kirby Doc behind them, with Alex Newhook playing out of position, without Christian Dvorak, without uh, obviously, like I said, Kirby Doc, Alex Newhook just came out. Rafael Harvey put out in the lineup. Yes, having Olin traded away Sean Monahan, having they, yes, I forgot that we did that already. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, they're doing it with a team that isn't made to succeed with one good top line, and they're doing it with their three three of their core pieces going forward uh, in the forward group here. It's amazing that they are able to get this done and so efficiently night in and night out. Just one question before we go to the next segment, Scott. Do we have a new murder toddler on our hands? He didn't murder anybody tonight, but he he has the ability that he's... I'm going to say arrogant because I was a teenager once that he is, I am indestructible. I will yes. go into situations and cause problems on purpose. And he with does my that giant body with his giant, and he doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, the only murder toddler on the ice tonight was Michael Pizzetta that when the game got to like seven, three Jacob Trubo was at the end of the ice going to clear a puck. And I watched Pizzetta at full speed. He wanted to put him three blocks over He hit the board so hard, I thought he wasn't going to get up. Uh, Enjoy Laval Truba. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or the South Shore. I guess the South Shore is the the direction. You're you're going to go wait. You're going to be sent, you know, somewhere out. You're going to get sent to Ron Conkham on that hit next. You're going to take the (laughs) LI double R courtesy of Michael Pizzetta. Uh, Jacob Truba also just straight up tackled Caden Gooley tonight. But if I talk about that, I'm going to get angry and we don't have time for that Uh, in this second, unfortunately. We are going to transition things because. The rumor mill was set ablaze today, and yes, we know it uh, It has calmed down since then, but how soon until Jake Allen is on the move? We have talks about that coming up next. But first, passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy and is also what keeps your ride-or-die vehicle alive, and eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die vehicle, you'll find exactly what you are looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, you're not burning cash. And with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Some exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit is available only to U.S. customers. 
We are back here at Locked On Canadians. And again, we are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can also check out Locked On Sports today on YouTube, 24-7 stream of all of our local experts, giving you all the information you could need on any team you could possibly dream of. Check them out at Locked On Sports today on YouTube.com. So I'm out visiting accounts today, and I stop, sit in my car for a moment, kind of figure out where I'm going next. And I look down at my phone. And I see a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> about Jake Allen. And I go, I am literally working. And then my next thought was, if you're going to do this, do it before we record this episode. <laughs> Thankfully, I did not have to worry about the second part. So the rumor was is that the Colorado Avalanche have a deal in place to acquire Jake Allen, which was promptly put out by Darren Dreger and Chris Johnston, Pierre Lebrun, et cetera, uh, saying that, that was that, not well, the case. They that there is interest, but there is nothing concrete in place right now. The teams have not talked, which means they have talked at some point in the last little bit here, and that something's going to come down the pipeline with that. Uh, my biggest thought is Ken Hughes really loves Colorado, huh? Like, I was about year, to say that. <laughs> it's always why is it always Colorado? And like the trades are both good for the most part, and maybe not great. It all depends on how Alex Newhook comes out, but Kent Hughes loves the Colorado Avalanche. I'm just very curious what uh, Jake Allen's perceived value is for a team that would likely be using him as a backup to Alexander Georgiev uh, when Georgiev is, you know, back healthy and Colorado is ready to go. Uh, Jake Allen, I think, is clearly the one B in that situation, unless I'm off base here. Well, here's the thing, though, like the Colorado Avalanche are looking for another Stanley Cup, right? I don't know that Jake Allen is in his current iteration is reliable for that. Like what happens if their number one does go down? Right. So I have some questions about this unless they believe that behind a stronger defense, he's going to fare better. I do want to know why Kent Hughes is like seems to only want to trade with Colorado. Um, that is definitely a question uh, I have for him is what is it like? Are they just friends? Is it just that he likes those players so much or prospects or things like that? Because at the end of the day, like not only are you at this point, like Jake Allen is not worth a high pick, but also like in whatever round you get him, you're going to get him in a later, like a later position, right? Given that it's Colorado. So I don't know what, like, what Kent Hughes' angle here. So, like, it's got to be Colorado calling him at this point, right? So, the thing about this is, too, is that Pierre Lebrun shed some more light on this, too, during insider trading. I believe during the second intermission, first or second intermission of the Habs and Rangers game tonight, is that the Avalanche are not the only team looking for a goalie. And, in fact, he said the Devils are the team... Sh paraphrasing this of course so please don't please don't radio me and put this on twitter uh that the devils have kicked tires on almost everybody basically they are desperately seeking a goaltender they have checked on john gibson they have checked on jake allen they have checked on jacob march from a deal that fell through not that long ago they have checked in on uc soros in nashville where apparently uc soros is available if teams are willing to meet the very high and rightfully so very high price for that goaltender. And my thought is, is that despite Jake Allen not having the best statistical season, his services are in demand because the minute Markstrom moves, who is your guaranteed nailed on starter if you're trading for him. Okay. 
John Gibson's price goes up, teams who may not be looking for a nailed-on number one starter that can afford him. I know Toronto very likely is because Ilya Samsonov at some point will come back down to earth, and you don't want to be in that situation. The Oilers still, the Devils desperately seeking that out. And then, like we've talked about, uh, Colorado needing somebody. Sooner or later, they're either not going to be able to meet the asking price of some of these other goaltenders and get a guaranteed nailed-on starter and get to the Stanley Cup. And then go, we still need a backup, or we need a 1B. We got to go get Jake Allen, and then you're Ken Hughes. You have set your asking price, whether that be a mid-round pick and, you know, tweener prospect right now or something like that. You're probably going to get that if you can wait. It's just a matter of we're playing the waiting game again. And I know people are going to be like, what if they trade him in a package and do something for Zegers and multi-teams? It's like, I think that the whole Jake Allen move is going to be independent of anything else. I am just curious now how the arms race for goaltenders spills out because you have Toronto that's looking for one for sure. The Devils who have aspirations and we're supposed to be or should be looking for one for sure going to want one. Carolina potentially, depending on Frederick Anderson and whoever else is playing there. Colorado, the Kings maybe. There are teams that are all looking for goaltenders and there's only so many that are available. And I can't see anyone meeting the asking price for UC Soros right now in season. Off season, different story. Right now, no. So that leaves your top three options are Markstrom, Gibson, and Helen. Someone's going to pay that price, I think. It's just, I think that if teams are talking, we're what, two weeks, two and a half weeks from the NHL trade deadline. Uh, you can count maybe three more Jake Allen starts in there if they're lucky. If he's going to go, I think that's going to heat up real soon. By the end of next week, teams are going to know where they're at and what they need. And if teams want Jake Allen, they're going to they're gonna start knocking on Kenton Hughes' door and asking for uh, – start asking what it's going to cost them. Right. And the price may change depending on who else gets traded, right? Like, we are getting into silly season. So it could be an overpay, and that's obviously what we as Canadian fans are hoping for. Uh, I like Jake Allen a lot. I just don't know that his stats really merit calling him reliable the way that I used to all the time is all. Scott, we have time for one question, one okay. mailback question before we go to our third segment. So I'm just going to pull them up because I know we just, just discussed them. Um, so real quick, if you were offered a free trip to see the Habs play on the road, where do you choose? That's a tough one because there's a couple of arenas that I'd like to see. I'd like to see a game at Madison Square Garden just because uh, I'd like to see Climate Pledge, uh, the new Little Caesars in Detroit. Uh, out of everything, though, I think my answer is probably Vegas just for the the ridiculousness and the flash and the sizzle of, of it all. It's Las Vegas. Like, why not? Even if they lose, you're in a castle you can go to one of the ridiculous casinos. I just got a TikTok about like the seven best food items. And one of them is like, you can get a three foot boozy milkshake. And I'm like, sold. I, who cares? I'm lactose intolerant, but why not? It's Vegas. And you only live once. So I can just, you know, watch the Habs lose to the Golden Knights and then drink a three foot boozy milkshake and be fine with my life. So um, Vegas was my second choice uh, and beat out narrowly by Seattle. 
Uh, I want to see the arena. I want to see my friends in Seattle who incidentally do work for the Kraken. Um, I want to see the city. I've never been. Uh, Pacific North Northwest is apparently gorgeous. I would absolutely adore that. But barring that, or, and before there was a Kraken, uh, Vegas was definitely very high on my bucket list just because it's Vegas, not because I'm a Knights fan or I like the Knights or anything like that. I just, I love how ridiculous it is. Everything is gaudy and Vegasy, and I'm all for it. I'm sure it, it would get old really fast. Like I, I wouldn't want to like be there for like a week or whatever, but definitely seeing a Habs game and then, you know, checking out some sort of artist in residence or Cirque du Soleil or something. Well, Laura, if you want to experience like Seattle, we can wait for it to rain in Montreal. You can go down to the old port and I can just like throw fish at you if you want. Like, <laughs> I I mean, I think we can get kind of close there. Uh, there'll be a lot of yelling. There'll be like a salmon in the air and the Habs will probably lose. So uh, we do have so many more mailbag questions coming up. They're coming up in our final segment. We're going to get to that coming up next. But first, one of our other sponsors today is Camino Consulting. And how would you like to get to know someone better in an hour than you would in a year? Understanding one another prevents small misunderstandings from becoming big, ongoing fights. After providing more than 20 years of service to small and mid-sized businesses, helping management groups navigate conflict and onboarding new employees, Camino is offering a digital seminar for families and for couples. Did your Valentine's gift or tickets to the game knock over as well as you hoped? You forgot the flowers, you forgot a card, you forgot what they wanted for dinner. Get the Couples and Family Online Seminar for $20 off for the month of February using the discount code Locked On. Again, that discount code is Locked On for 25% off for the rest of the month at CaminoConsulting.ca or mentioning Locked On when reaching out for a business seminar and receive the first five profiles for free. So we are back. And as you heard at the end of the last segment, we're diving into the mailbag a little bit early. We're going to try to get to as many of the questions as we can uh, inside our time frame here. Remember, if you ever have mailbag questions, you can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, LockdownCanadians at gmail.com, MBQs in the YouTube comments. Just don't be a jerk. Simple as that. Um, and when in doubt, you can DM us for the most part. Uh, I still have open DMs despite most of being filled with crypto bot spam on uh <laughs> Elon Musk's hell site. But anyways, Laura, what fun stuff do we have in our mailbag for today? I almost forgot, Scott. I wanted to give a shout out to a listener who came over to Starbucks uh, or came over to me in Starbucks in the Starbucks line, uh, said hi and said that they were a fan. I'm not going to mention the name because I'm not sure if they're comfortable with that, but um, it was really nice of them. It was very respectful. It was a great respectful interaction. I was quite flustered because I'm not used to that. Um, so I did want to say thank you and hi. And if you ever do see us out in the wild, please respectfully, uh, please come and say hi. You know, um, we're very friendly and it really makes our day every time that happens. All right, let's get back to our good friend, Randy Hansen, because there's another question here that I think is really worth talking about. And that is, what would have you most concerned about the Habs going forward with the Habs? I think the young defenseman not taking that next step. And I, I was talking with Ian Boivere about this during the game here is that I don't think Arbor Jack is a bad defenseman, but I'm looking at him since he's come up from the AHL. And despite playing very well for the Rocket, really, really well, and seemingly honing that kind of defensive game there a little bit, 
he's looked just a touch off the pace there. And I don't know if that is a just a learning thing that he's going to come back from, but I think waiting for a lot of these young defensemen to take that next step, waiting for Gooley to take that next step, waiting for uh, Jack Eye and Baron and Struble, not so much. Struble I has time. This is his first full season here. Uh, waiting for them to take that next step because I think that we are betting on a lot of them being that backbone with Reinbacher and Engstrom, uh, Lane Hudson, uh, Bogdan Kuniushkov, and then not wanting to pick one in this draft that if the young defensemen aren't developing the way they need to, then they should probably look at continuing to reinforce that spot here a little bit. I think that this team we know has offensive talent right now in that top line and other pieces, but if you can't keep the puck out of the net, you're just the Oilers. And yeah, the Oilers <laughs> are good, but they don't have much to show for being really talented offensively. Um, so there is a question from our good friend Claude S about zone to zone versus versus man, uh, sorry, man to man versus zone defense. I do want to table that for a little while because I did want to have a guest on and we could talk about defense as a whole, uh, not just as a concept, but also as it pertains to the Habs in general. So I'm going to park that question for now. I'm going to ask, um, a question that we received, uh, from our good friend Brady. Who has been the best and worst Habs prospect on the Rocket this season? So I think Joshua Wah is going to be in a lot of people's top spots there. And yeah, that's probably fair in that regard. Uh, but I think right behind him and in a way that should be uh, shined a spotlight on, I think both Xavier Simino and Logan Mayu have been very, very good for the Rocket especially when the team has had injuries. They've been consistent presences in the lineup. Uh, Mayu really kind of took the reins on things when he was playing with Jack Eye, and he was basically challenged to step up and play like we know you were capable of. He had a, a learning curve. His teammates kind of gave him, you know, the straight and narrow talk, like get it together or you're not going to make it in this. And that really seems to have resonated as someone taking that next step. And then Xavier Simino is just all he does is collect points, whether you're paying attention or not. Uh, he's someone that if they're not going to play Yessi Olinen or they're going to trade him or whatever, I'd like to see Xavier Simino get an NHL shot, kind of in the vein of Brandon Gignac. There, he's all effort, he's all hustle. Only he's a lot angrier. So it's like you uh, gave a Red Bull to a honey badger and just kind of said <laughs> anything not wearing a Habs jersey annoy it. And he is all about that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we've got a question from Steve. Scott was on cloud nine with the whole Greg and Riley nonsense. What are three moments from other teams' histories that made you overjoyed with their shenanigans? Does Toronto constantly creating their own heartbreak count as shenanigans or no? I think that works. I feel like I, th I feel like that counts. But also, like I'm trying to think of like you know, like biting gloves or like throwing a glove at a person. Do you remember this? Who threw a glove in a playoff game? Uh, Brad Marchand had a glove thrown at him by Artemi Panarin because Artemi because yes. he made a comment about Panarin's family back in Russia. So I am actually on the side of Artemi Panarin at that one. <laughs> 100%. I think We Want Florida is at the top of my list for just like schadenfreude <laughs> moments though. And that you finally won a round and you think you're going to get through on Florida 
and then Matthew Kachuk fed you your teeth that it just ruined your team for an entire offseason. Uh, I think that is up there. It, it's unfortunately the Bruins blowing it against the Florida Panthers last year, despite the fact we needed the Panthers to lose for a better draft pick, uh, yes. was very funny to watch uh, just because. Ah, we're this great. We're looking how good we are in the regular season. Ha ha ha! We lost. Sucks. Um, can't can't have a heartbreaking series defeat if you don't make the playoffs. <laughs> Big brain time, baby. Let's go. I love it. Uh, we are going to get back to Toronto in just one moment. Um, oh God. For me, I also you remember the Brad Marchand failed penalty shot that like we couldn't stop making fun of, like that became a meme, like things like that. I really you enjoyed Bruins Flyers like fans. How is that not conflicting for you? Because that was against the Flyers. <laughs> Yes, I was torn apart, Scott, by that. <laughs> but just, I love stuff like that. Like the, you know, everything that really kind of becomes a thing. So we've got a question from Jeff the Red, and then we're going to get to a Toronto question in a second. Uh, what odds would you give for a Trevor Zegers trade? What's the most you would be comfortable with giving up for him? All right, sorry. What odds would, like, what are the odds that Canadians would trade for him? And then what's the most that you would be comfortable with giving up for him? Uh, the odds in season, zero. I think Ken Hughes is going to get to the end of the season, see where their draft picks are, see what other teams are looking for, if there's value in some of those vets. Uh, at the NHL draft, I'll split it 50-50. Kent Hughes loves him a draft day trade. And I very much think if he's going to do it, it will be on that day. I think you're going to see one of Calgary or Winnipeg's picks traded along with a maybe not an Owen Beck level prospect, but I think uh, a higher end prospect and then some tangible NHL player that might fit that role, potentially a couple more picks, maybe uh, whether it's a defenseman or someone going back to Anaheim, they don't really need defensemen, but um, I think you're going to be parting with at least a first and a high end prospect for that. I don't think it'll be in season. I very much think, though, at the NHL draft, uh, everyone should be on red alert for that. We've got two questions left. Uh, one's from our good friend, Carm. Uh, and Carm says, I'm the last person to sit here and say us Habs fans are perfect. We are not. However, we are not delusional. We're not delusional with the Gallagher elbow, and we're not delus delusional with regards to the state of our team. Is it time to officially crown Leafs fans the most delusional fans in the league? They seem to think they're a contender, and in parentheses, he's put LOL, while at the same time, I genuinely cannot believe how both Keefe and the fans were so quick to defend that cheap shot. I'm always here for standing up for your players, but you can do it in a way that doesn't begat more, uh, quite Nonsense. frankly, bullcrap after the whistle. Uh, and here's the thing is they can't be awarded the crown because they've had it forever. Anyways, they've <laughs> always been this way. It's just that they're good now. So you hear about it a lot more often, unfortunately, uh, as we can tell you after our mentions from the 2021 playoffs, this is how they are. Unfortunately, yes. we have good friends who are Leaf fans who are a few of the same ones. Uh, but for the most part, uh, they are undisputed like Mike Tyson, heavyweight champion of, Delulu. That fan, yes, of being in Delulu land on that. So yes, and finally, Randy Hansen asks: It's 1979, and roller skating is all the rage. What is your signature move while skating? Falling down. <laughs> I think we have to end it on that note. 
Yes. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at LO underscore Canadians, locked on Canadians at gmail.com. If you have longer questions, Laura is at the active stick. I am at Scott Matla. We will be back after this weekend. We will have your three up and three down. We will have your game recaps and so much more. As always, thank you for tuning in. We will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.